0: and I notice the directions. I notice that I'm in the center of the source, and the source energy is running through me, manifesting as me. And I also notice that the center is in you, running through you, manifesting as you, which makes the center everywhere and the circumference nowhere. I look first to the ancestors, the grandfather and grandmother to be with us in this circle. And my prayer is that this be an opportunity to heal because I've been told and I believe that when I heal in this moment all those who come before me are healed and all those who come after are healed and my declaration and prayer is that this be a healing space and a place for people to come to and see and find relief take another deep breath and so it is
1: be. <laughs> so this is the first podcast of The Logistics of Belonging with Hunter Glom and John Donovan. I'll be the host today. My name's Matthew Moran. And we're kind of winging it. Cool.
0: Very cool. Yeah. It's so, exciting. Um, I, I think I would like to introduce myself, Um, uh, John Donovan, I have uh, 27 years clean and sober, I have 27 years working with men about my issues of being a man in this society, Um, I've worked in the institutions for the last 20 years up until last year, Um, I'm a facilitator for violence intervention program. Um, I got graced with the idea that I get to do what I love to do early in my recovery and something happened and I just started doing what I love to do. Uh, and I'm here after 27 years, uh, in the result of that decision to follow, um, and be who I am learn about my authentic self, and my um, goal is to um, give it all away, give it to as many people as I can in a short amount of time, Um, uh, to bring people a sense of self, which brings relief capacity to deal with life on life's terms, because life is a struggle, um, so that's part of who I am, what I do, so,
1: thank you, you're welcome,
2: uh, Hunter Glom, um, really fortunate to be here, uh, believe me. My place here at, at West Coast is is a testament to what we all share and, and teach together here. It was never my intention or goal to be in this the place that I am currently. I didn't know it would lead to this. Um, I was in the financial industry prior to 9-11, living in Florida. After 9-11, it just really shook my concept of what reality was. I was using pretty heavy, running fast and hard at that time. Knew something was off, hadn't really paid much attention to it. Once 9-11 hit, I couldn't not listen to it. My goal was never to become sober. I wasn't, wasn't trying to stop anything. I just knew that I had to discover the truth of the human condition. So I dropped everything and went on a journey that took me to shaman and Taoist masters and masters. I was very blessed with a lot of teachers along the way, which I believe showed up every moment when I was ready and were a direct match to my commitment to seeing the truth. Um, Along the way, a healing took place where I stopped the self-abuse through substances and relationships and found myself having very healthy, sustainable um, connection, uh, both in my peer circle and my work circle, which eventually became the same circle. So I'm more of, uh, I guess, my where I come from in this process, in this journey, is more about fulfillment and passion not so much sobriety first it as it turns out it, it has a tendency to come along for the ride the sobriety part and the the self-love and um the, this concept of logistics of belonging i'm really really passionate about it seems um like it is starting to come into the mass consciousness it's it's there's a Gabor Mate. There's a, just a lot of people everywhere that are just revealing the truth of connection and belonging, you know. And uh, and when we feel connected and we feel like we belong for who we truly are, the need to do these unhealthy things just fades away. Fades away. Yeah. And uh, it's really, in my belief, it is a very cool time in, uh, in, in humanity. It seems very chaotic, whatever lens you want to look at it from, it seems uncertain. There's a lot of chaos, and there's a lot, there's this wellspring just blossoming up of people who just get it. Might not be able to verbalize it, but just, you know, it's what we've always been seeking, is to just be seen, appreciated, validated, nurtured, cared for, supported. And then we can really come into that divine knowing of who we are and present our gift to the world. So it's really cool to work with so many people who got to this spot under one roof from totally different directions. Agreed. Yeah.
1: I will not have an introduction because I'm the host. So I'm just going to make some noise. Okay. I'd like to ask, I was thinking... While I was nodding my head to both of you intros, what is what is the, this truth or this gift that you believe you're
0: sharing with others? Wow, let's start off with a <laughs> with an easy question here, okay? Um, that's that's part of what is difficult to articulate. Um, it, it's um, it's funny that I was thinking about that before you asked the question. My experience as a child um, gave me the perception that I was separate and there was something I needed to do to get back to belong. And then I lived from that, from that experience, from that perception. And what, I want to say, I do and what I know we do here at West Coast Recovery is somehow facilitate a new experience so that people embody uh, their self-worth instead of self-hate, or their feeling of connection instead of their um, wondering about the separation. Uh, And it's an experiential process we have. We have curriculum, we have program material, um, and in that, um, we assist the client to recognize what's always been there, that's covered up with all the trauma, the have to, got to, thou shalt, uh, world that we came from, which is fertile ground for avoidance behavior, mood-altering substances, uh, mood-altering behavior. It's fertile ground for that. Um, Once I uh, just had a a glimmer of this connection, this ability to connect, I just kept, kept at it. I kept coming back. I kept coming back. And then I one day popped up with this sense of value. I knew that I was um, okay. Uh, Lack of a different word, I knew more than that, but I knew that at least, that I was okay and that I had something to offer And uh, I could quit taking. So, that's my answer to that um, question. Yeah,
2: uh, to not have to take—that's a powerful one. Um, for me, the the truth as I know it today, and it will change tomorrow, uh, whether it's just through a deeper sense of it or a broader understanding. Um, you know, I, I used to see the world through the lens of a lot of criticism, a lot of judgment that there was always something wrong with someone or something, the system itself, uh, socioeconomic troubles, the all of that, that it was just there's something wrong, it needs to be fixed, <clears throat> which turned out to just be a reflection of how I was viewing myself. And so when I was at the point in my journey where I turned all of that inside out and stopped looking for the truth outwardly and turned it inward, through some tough work and it is tough work we're going through um our judgments and our criticisms and our shame and our guilt the shadow part of our work uh it's a it takes a definite uh, level of um, courage and commitment to own the, the, the shitty stuff about us the beauty in it is as we as i um began to do that I realized that they were as John talks about transitory truth it's temporary it's not the ultimate truth so if I'm a manipulative arrogant closed-minded son of a bitch well there's some truth to that because I have been and I developed those things based on the conditioning and the experience of how to survive in this world and to still get my needs met the beauty of finally owning it is as that releases then we can really um Embrace the ultimate truth of who we are, which is that we are
1: not that. So the ultimate truth
0: is that we are not something. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. We are not our behaviors. Okay. We are not the result of our experience. We are. We are um, uh, transmitting that that trauma through our behaviors to other people and that is not who we are. That is who we've perceived ourselves to be based on the misinformation given to us about us. Um, No, you don't feel that way. Why'd you do that? That was stupid Um, or something. What's what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? How come you can't be like your brother? Can we even misinform ourselves? (sighs) Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. One of the biggest challenges is some some people have received direct messages. You know, you're a worthless piece of shit. Like, since, uh, depending on what the environment we were born into is, some of them are very direct, very harsh, very traumatizing. What we don't often realize is even if you had these extremely um, praising parents and you were getting all the good boys and the good girls in the world. You know, we learn deductive reasoning as a human being prior to our ability to even talk. So we're already developing this, oh, well, if I'm not making this thing perfect or doing this thing perfect, and I don't get the smiley, happy, glowy face from these giant beings called parents, yeah. then I'm not that. Because this, a, a, this experience is a duality experience, so we have to... We have to, just by the nature of it, experience both sides before we can reach a point in our lives where we, where we learn how to transcend that and not be bound by it. It's a part of the process. So we can definitely take on these messages to ourselves.
0: And sure. then when my parents stopped criticizing me, I picked up that gauntlet and started criticizing me even more just just to be what I was supposed to be, which is always watching and making sure I did things right. So I would become self-critical. The, it was just inundating. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's. When I first got into recovery, what I wanted was that to shut off for just a second. I wanted a moment where that was quiet because I didn't have any moments where that self-criticism or other criticism wasn't full full bore, loud. Um, so my what I wanted from recovery was just a moment of peace. And I want to offer that I found that and more uh, through the experience of my recovery. Um, and what I've learned to do as a facilitator is bring that experience to the room. And then allow experience in the room, not right or wrong, um, not good or bad, um, and then that dialogue. That dialogue in a safe place creates a different experience. When I have a different experience, then I can notice the old experience, the new experience, and then make a choice. Which one do I want? My choice was I want more of the new. I knew how to get it was to keep coming back to the space that it was there where other people were looking for the same thing. I wanted uh, I wanted purpose.
2: I wanted purpose. I didn't know it at the time, but I can look back now and know that I was I was always seeking to know what my purpose was. And in the environment I was raised in, the message I took on was the, the purpose was to win. My purpose was to win, to be number one, to be the best at whatever it was. And there were certain times where I achieved that to some extent, whether it was through athletics or, or whatnot, and then I always kind of noticed that even after I won, Still didn't feel, <laughs> didn't, feel yeah, didn't feel very uh, good uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very fleeting experience um, which led to a lot of well okay <clears throat> this wasn't my purpose or so I would hop around and do all these things and yeah I, you know eventually the thing that I figured I could be the best at was cocaine yeah. you know <laughs> I mean I just all right I can do more stay up longer for so many days, we, you know, blah, blah blah blah. We all have that story to some degree, right? And it was, it was after I had that catalyst moment of nine eleven, several years later, where the one thing I could take a lot of solace to, that just made everything else at least make sense, even though it may be unpleasant, was that my purpose is to learn. When I took that belief system on. It took a lot of the hard edges off of the experiences of life, pleasant or unpleasant, and it became much more of the journey rather than the finish line and looking to be number one. It's just because there's always more to learn, so
1: why measure that, you know? Much like you wanted a purpose, and on the same subject of learning, like, I wanted to to know something, like... To understand it, to believe in something. Mm -hmm. That was my main concern, is I wanted an answer. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily a purpose, just to know what was and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. To have a steady, stateful ground. (laughs) For sure. It took me a while to accept that it is the searching that is the knowing. Yeah. that
2: and that man when any human being can get there because right? there's always this thing early on particularly of the the it right this mysterious it where we don't have to worry anymore or struggle any like then it and it has this a do du- there's a dual sense to it of there's this this finish line type of thing and um, for me, I recognize that there actually is an it. But the it is not the finish line. The it is recognizing it, it, it's infinite. In, oh, infinite. <laughs> 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 and there's a joy to that. And that it wanes because it's still a daunting task uh, to do that. And, and then this really beautiful moment arrived when, which is more about where I'm at. Well, I guess I'm kind of on the cusp. So it went from my purpose is to learn, to my purpose is to remember. As more and more experiences came to be that I was actually unlearning. And so when I had those profound moments or those aha moments and just felt really aligned with something, it wasn't because someone or something showed me something new, is that it brought me back deeper to something I've always known. Which is more of an experience, experience. than a piece of information. You know, it might come on the mental plane at first, and then as the it hits the emotional, physical, and spiritual planes, and and there's just that alignment that 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 those are the spots that words have a very difficult time, yeah. you know, encompassing.
1: Would you say that I don't know why I started to think about this? Is this experience could it almost be seen as as like you're providing like a, like a ritual or an initiation of sorts? Something that I think Western people are lacking.
2: Hundred percent. That's uh, we we talk about that all the time: the rites of passage and initiation. Which, as far as the Western model goes, we lost that shortly after, or and or during the Industrial Revolution.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like the the needs of the the, the community at large, the large community, the country, right? The needs simply took, it took our men away, it put our women in a position to fill roles that used to be here, and you know, there was this big, very big shift in who did what, and essentially the kids were kind of left to figure it out and take these adult roles, and they, so they got launched into something without the rites of passage, and then when they started having children, they didn't have that remembrance of having these defining moments to shift from boyhood to adolescence, from adolescence to manhood, and also with our women, same thing. Yeah. And so there is a resurgence happening, which is great. We we see the indigenous community, like the indigenous communities rallying around, standing rock, whatever your beliefs around that may or may not be, but that they have come together globally for the first time. It's, I mean, that's just phenomenal and, they they hold such rich tradition and an
1: understanding of the initiation. Much like, I mean, there's a resurgence in interest in in masonry right now as well, mm-hmm. and it's a an initiatic, ritualistic mm-hmm. fraternity, right? Mm-hmm. I think the the resurgence of this stuff just shows a general need in the population that we're, where something's missing and we desire this mm-hmm. this thing, and how people are seeking it.
0: It's pretty awesome. Okay. Without, without the initiation, we have adult men without the sense of their um, the, who they are and what their purpose is. It's like I, I was 45 years old and the realization I had at 45 is that I had the emotional maturity of a five-year-old and that's scary. yeah that is terrifying. Uh, and at 45, I was um, six years into recovery, starting to get into more men's work and initiation and experiencing uh, my faults and witnessed by other men, not, not judged, not, not blamed for. But um, they, they gave me an opportunity to be seen, and in that being seen, there was a healing and a a maturation process uh, that happened internally that kind of just, it sneaks up on you, (laughs) and and I call it getting blindsided by healthy behavior. Um, In a situation where I normally would um, hit or leave, and I was finding myself in dialogue and having the ability to participate in the struggle. And that, that's what I offer people, is the information about how to participate in the struggle, not, I don't give them the information to stop the struggle, because life is a struggle. So, the information to struggle well, in, in, or to participate well in the struggle that life is. So to participate really cool. well in the struggle that life is. Mm-hmm.
2: And that it's not always a struggle. That was right. one of the ones that had me hooked forever. My, I mean, my, my dad was preparing me for a hard life. That was his experience. Life is hard. So that that is something that I just okay. So okay, I got it. Life's hard. So I found myself many times when life was not hard that I would make it hard. Yeah. So it would fit that I would create that because of the belief system right. that it was. And so, I mean, heck, I just recently, I went to Hawaii for vacation, and it was the first true vacation I ever went on where I, I, I still had a job to come back to. Yeah. <laughs> I had saved the money ahead of time. You know, it was mm-hmm. my, the first Genuine day. Other times, I mean, I'd have, be like, oh, fuck off, I'm out, you know, and just be this a uh, very adolescent <laughs> kind of attitude yeah, yeah, yeah. and not care if I had something back. I was like, like, oh, it'll right. all work out, which it always did, and it was always a struggle. <laughs> and so when I got there, I remember the first three days, man, because I, I didn't have my middle fingers up to anything, and I, it was really hard. It was hard to just be like, holy, 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 I am here in Kauai. And I'm allowed to be. And I was stressing out. You're allowed. To be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a. Like. It is. So it's interesting. You know, there are struggles in life, and there's also beautiful grace periods, and it's a whole, a whole mixture of things. Um, I'm gonna make some coffee if you guys want. Sure. Um, and so this initiation piece, is, it is, it's its huge. There's actually a, uh, there's an African proverb that says, um, if we don't initiate the boys, they'll burn down the village. Ooh. And I believe we can we can not look too far these days to witness
0: that, the truth of that. Just pick up any paper, if There's any paper left or on the internet. Yeah, it's uh, that's the truth.
2: And it's not just males, you know, the, the women, I can't speak too much of it because I'm not familiar with their initiatory practices, it's the same for women, and the, the loss of that is equally detrimental, and, you know, there's a, there's a narrative about, you know, women in power, and uh, that they're bitches, and, and men, and this, and the whole, and there's, there's truth and validity of however you want to look at that in a lot of different ways. And there's no remedy, there's no solution in that narrative. No. When, if we seek a narrative where a solution is, it's not to be focusing on what women need to do to fit in a world of men or what men need to do to allow it. That, that just creates Words more of the stuff. Of women. Right. And instead, it's how do we support one another in right. being. Humans, us. Yeah, humans. Humans. Yes. And and I mean, I I I enjoy this particular topic often. Uh, As a man, I've I've always had a for whatever reason I've had a particular understanding or compassion for our women and their menstrual cycle. And I don't know where it started or how long. Uh, it had been going on this this dialogue about how our society just totally dismisses our women during that period of time, and and just it's this sh- very shameful thing that um, that has gone on for so long that now many of our women they they actually participate in yeah. in the self shaming element yeah. of it, which is really sad. Um, very thing that gave us all life <laughs> is, is
0: this, demeaned and, yeah,
2: and spoken about with derogatory. The whole thing—it's it, just—it's a mess. I don't there are there are some. some uh, I've seen some some more extreme feminist vlogs where, like, women will actually
1: like take photos of their menstrual mm-hmm. stuff and mm-hmm. like share it with mm-hmm. people. They can look
2: far with. Well, you know, like what the, the one practice I'm familiar with—I'm and not sure which particular tribe or culture it is, or if it's fairly universal—but they would they would have a bloodletting ceremony to the to the young girls at their first cycle, just like for the for the boys. the 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 men would come and take the boys from the women, and they would go uh, on their initiation for whatever their community needed. And so the women would do the same thing, and, right. and you know, and they would bleed into Mother Earth—a very ceremonial connection to the, to the mother, and then understanding and connecting what it is to become that yourselves.
0: Right. There's a uh, one of my mentors is uh, Melodoma Somay, and he talks about in his village when a woman is on a menses that. Uh, she doesn't have to do any work and everybody listens to what she says because she's so connected to the earth that that information is vital to the uh, safety and survival of the whole community. So she's actually listened to and I, I tell that story when I'm sometimes when I'm in a group of women and, and they're just like, oh my God, what a difference. Um, and it's honored and seen as a uh, contribution to the community. Wow.
2: That just has to be immensely empowering for where where that contribution comes back to the logistics of belonging, that belonging nature.
0: Exactly, and the um, um, part of the men's work that has given me a sense of self is I am also vital the safety of our community. The way I was raised, I was uh, arrogant, entitled, mean, controlling and needy. I was aggressive in my community or family of origin or family unit. Uh, and what men's work has taught me is that I, have, I bring something to the family unit that wouldn't be there unless I came as a male to the family unit. Uh, our children need... Uh, love and nurturing from the masculine just as well as they need love and nurturing from the feminine it creates a balance in their lives and a sense of self and what they're, what they bring. And, and, wow. Wow. Yeah, wow, huh? Mm-hmm. So, a lot of, a lot of the work, um, that I do in the in the room is that I am um, I I hold this energy that we're talking about today I I have this annoyingness uh in me and it's solid and I don't have to tell anybody what to do I don't have to make them see anything I witness and then when I speak I speak from this wealth of experience and knowledge and it and it it has an effect on the people around or the people in, in the group. Um, sometimes I don't even have to say anything uh, and listen.
1: Um, I think and when Ward you mentioned you were allowed to be in Kauai, I was just thinking what you were saying is like you... What I envisioned was like you're allowing someone in that space
0: to be exactly who they are. Mm-hmm.
1: And that, yeah. that that's why the
2: effect... It, it's another duality that, that effect when someone is around truth they are either drawn closer to it or repelled yeah <laughs> and that's okay
0: yeah it's all yeah.
2: about where someone's at and what because it's scary mm-hmm. it, it, or it can be you know and yeah. that is what is really fascinating about what's going on here is the types of clients that are coming in it's they're just people who want it and didn't even consciously know they want it and then as soon as they're in one of these groups and as soon as they're around our whole staff because this truth is expressed differently through every person and so it's like john's talks about men's work really it's just the work
0: the work.
2: you know it's it's the, the same process for men and women just in in their own personal experience of what it is right you know the work. and I agree. Work yeah and so there's you know we have very strong empowered individuals in our community here, both men and women, and the really cool effect to that is so when our when our female clients are with men in that place, sometimes they're around safe, strong empowered men for the first time in their life, and vice versa. Yeah. so when our men client men are with our women in groups it's the first time they're around a woman who solidly knows who she is and is empowered by it and and no one is trying to do anything really and so that that dynamic in and of itself is a catalyst for transformation to just be around people different ages different genders different races the whole thing but they're all in theoretically, the same place, essentially, you know, but it's, you know, it's it's a different flavor, which is, that's the coolest part, that's the part I love, every time, and I cannot wait, my favorite thing about this is, every single time we get a new client, I cannot wait to see what flavor they bring, when they, that moment, when they have that recognition point that they don't know who they are, (laughs) which is scary, and then just taking one step into that unknown it then something comes out of them that was always there, and it's like, ah, there it is. There's your flavor. No one on the planet has that flavor but right. you, and we've been waiting for you, and thank you for showing up. Wow.
1: <laughs> That's rad. Yeah. I think this is a, a good place to and take a break and. Around. Um It's pretty excellent for the first podcast. I don't even know if I'll we'll have to edit anything, cool. except for when I coughed and maybe some of the, the sounds some of the coffee
2: this makes um, it real.
1: Yeah, it's like <laughs> they're here with us. <laughs> <laughs> All 5,000 listeners. Um, next week, we will talk about something.
0: Bring another whatever whatever comes (laughs) when we gather, and after we pray.
1: Yeah. So is that? Let's let's put
0: something on
2: there about the podcast at West CRC.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. If you uh, listeners are interested in either calling in or want to like submit some like topics for discussion, we're open to your suggestions. Uh, You can send us. An email at podcast at westcrc com, and visit our uh, blog logistics of belonging wordpress com, or our uh, website westcoastrecoveriescenters.com. dot com.
0: Cool. Okay. Wow. Well, would you want to say that again? All those different. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so we have uh, our blog logisticsofbelonging.wordpress.com um, our website westcoastrecoverycenters.com and if you want to uh, send us some topics for discussion email us at podcast at westcrc.com
2: yeah take us out with some, some flute magic John <laughs>